Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Parapod. It's the sex episode. <laughs> oh. You know what that means. It's going to be a sexy few hours for the next for the next while. Settle down, strap in and uh keep a tissue close by or something like that. Especially cuz it's Christmas. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah, it's it's also a Christmas episode. <laughs> which uh that's why we took that week off cuz we wanted to co- coincide with Christmas. And 69 and you know yeah, exactly. It's the same thing, pretty much, when you think about it. And, uh, yeah, so this is our uh, episode 69. We have we have a recommended film this week for this episode. It was recommended about three weeks ago, but we're going to do it this week. It's called Crash. Uh, David Cronenberg. It's a highly acclaimed... Highly uh, controversial at the time as well. Yeah, very much a controversial film. And it's pretty sexy. So we're going to be talking about that later on. There do be some fucking. There do be a lot of uh, car-themed fucking, which is kind of like strangely ties into our conversations over the past month or so. Yeah, I was watching, I was like, a bit like Titan. A bit like Cars as well. A bit like Cars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very much like Titan. A lot of uh, motorized sexual energy energy coming off this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the engine is really overheating right now. Oh, it's running, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) The gears are churning. Oh, yeah. So how you been? How you been getting on? Being grand. All clear with the COVID. All clear. All clear with the COVID. Thank God. Hence why we're out of that Zoom hole and we're back. fuck. I hate Zoom. I hate Zoom. I don't like Zoom at all. Uh, It is, like, especially, it didn't help taking a week off and then being on Zoom. Because it was like... All out of all, I couldn't get back into the groove of it at all. It was, yeah, really, it was yeah. really hard. <laughs> it actually was, yeah. It was like it's like a, it's a whole different ball game when you're on Zoom, you know. Mm. And then my computer, like my computer's just not up to the task. <laughs> it's shat the bed. I was so afraid the entire time. I didn't adjust my monitor at all. Like you know, I was just afraid it was just gonna die. Yeah. Even even as it was, there was like audio mishaps and stuff. It's like, oh, this fucking piece of shit computer. I'm sick of it. Get you, get you, in the, get yourself a new one for Christmas, bro. It's too late now, I suppose. I suppose May- I'll get it in the sales, January yeah. sales. Definitely. I'll have to. There's, there's a lot of things I have to get, though. A lot of things I have to sort in my life, but mm. that's hence, not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> hence, hence the new year. That's the perfect time to sort oh, that shit yeah. out. Exactly, exactly. It's like, you fuck up, don't worry about it. New year, new me. Exactly, yeah. There's only a few few, few days left. They were talking on the winter solstice right now. It's, just, it's literally the shortest day of the year. Is today the shortest day of the year? It was. The sun is gone now. Mad. We're now back into... Longer and longer days. Oh, we're going to get that... S- are, are, is the clocks going forward and all next year again? I don't know, are they? Man, they always talk about that they're going to get rid of that shit. And they're, every year it's just nah. like, nah, let's keep it going. Yeah, they're always talking about introducing things and like getting rid of things. And they're just like, oh yeah, we forgot. We forgot to do that. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> forgot. Oh well, <laughs> it's never going to get done then. Yeah. Oh well, the farmers, the farmers need their daylight savings time. Fucking make them get up earlier. Other than me. I don't want to get up earlier. Make them get up earlier. <laughs> <laughs> they should have clocks for different... Every country should have a different clock system or different times, you know? You mean different time zones? Yeah, but like <laughs> a lot more precise than they are, yeah. you know? Like it's, it's insane that like something like... Like Madrid is what an hour behind or an hour, an hour ahead. Ahead, ahead of us. As we go to the east, it's But ahead. we're like exactly in line. Yeah, but I don't know. It like, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any... Because like, even like the, the gap between... Like, I don't know where the exact, you know, lines are, but it takes an hour to get to, like, London. And then if you just go slightly beyond London, you have to add on an extra hour. Like, it's not that far outside of England until it's another hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? You know, they used to have Irish time. 
Irish time now. There used to be an Irish time zone. I think they got rid of it. They got they introduced it to distinguish us from England after the after independence. Mm. I think it was only a few minutes ahead of England or behind England. I'm not sure, but it was. There was like a few minutes difference between London time and like Dublin time. I mean, it makes sense. Mm. That is more accurate. That's definitely more accurate. But it was also like it's more just like oh yeah we're. We're not. We're not like we're them. Different. You know? Yeah, we're different. From, we're not. We're not British. Oh, we're something else. You know, we're in a whole different time zone. Yeah, come on, different. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be mad if you lived in like Alaska and then like the if you're in Alaska mm. and then if you go further east, like slightly further east or west. No, but east because east would be a day ahead east? of you because Australia would be ahead of you in time. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, is that not west? Oh, sorry, west. Yeah, sorry. If the further you go west. And then you'd go around the world is, is that the, way. Is Siberia a day ahead of Alaska? Or is Alaska a day behind? Or are they the same time zone? Because they're right beside each other. They're bearing straight. Mm, I don't know. I'll find that out. I Look that up. Probably, because I know that the line is... Um, I know that the line, like that international date line, that's mm. like the cutoff point more or less, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. It's in the middle of the Pacific, isn't it? Yeah. So like once you cross the Pacific, you jump forward a day. Yeah, that's mad. Mm. What a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd be them. Um, yeah, what's the time difference between Alaska? All right, I'm going to look up Alaska's time. Alaska and Sevastopol. Alaska time. So currently in Alaska, it is half 11 in the morning. 21st of December. 21st of December. They're only waking up. My God. And then, what was? It? What did you say? Uh, I don't know, Siberia. Put in like Seoul or something. It's the same area. Soul. Same general area. Seoul time is half five. Twenty second. What? Yeah. Half five a.m. Half five a.m. What? So That's the, insane. Eleven thirty in the eleven thirty a.m. in Alaska, and then in Seoul it's half five a.m. in tomorrow. Like. That's mad. So wait, you could go. <laughs> so if you went from like say Anchorage, Alaska. And you took the boat. I don't know where that is actually, but like you, you see, you went from Alaska to Siberia, and then you're going, you're going ahead a day, but then you spend a day there and you go back. You reclaim that. You day. suddenly reclaim the entire day. Yeah, it was the same thing when when That's we were mad when we went to to Vancouver, sure, because Vancouver was what eight hours. Mm. Yeah, it's more than that, isn't it? Now, our flight, like, that was some fucking trek. That, that was a full day of traveling. Like, we left at like, 11 <laughs> o'clock, oh, half 11. No, we left at, like, I can remember, I think it was, like, 9 o'clock or something. It was very early. Let's say it was half 9, our flight was. We landed We we landed in Vancouver at 11 at night, and that's with the extra eight hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a lot going on that day, yeah. That was, that was intense. That was nearly 24 hours of travel. I know, yeah, it was like, uh, I don't know how we did that. I don't uh, know how. It's like twenty hours of travel. Some, yeah, some, it was. I spent, like that. spent a lot of time just hanging around that in Minneapolis, like yeah, fresh drinking airport. With, drinking with Ben, remember yeah. Ben? Shout out to Ben. <laughs> Shout out to Ben. I'm sure he's listening. I hope he did well in Chicago or San Francisco, wherever the fuck he was. Yeah, he was a fucking legend. He was sound. Remember drinking overpriced Long Island iced teas with him, just knowing that we'd never see him again. Yeah, but there's something really pure about that. There is. It's like. It's just like, oh, I can be whoever I want to be to you because I'm never going to meet you again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should have just made up identities. Yeah, it? oh, completely. <laughs> <laughs> He's a jewel thief. <laughs> yeah, we're on the run, actually. <laughs> we're going over to Vancouver to commit a heist. <laughs> yeah. We're going to Ocean's Eleven it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, those are the days. That's like two years ago. Coming up on three years ago. Uh, don't say that. Grim, innit? Yeah, we're getting old. We're getting old. But Time, man. Sure, look, that's what happens Time's when you get older. Time's you know? Plus, the, the past few years haven't really happened either, have they? Nah, 2021 doesn't even count either. I feel like we definitely get like a kind of... A, a compensation year. Yeah, it's like we get like a one-for-all voucher for the last two years mm-hmm. and like spend it whenever you want. It's yeah. Like, like, coming up to it, like we... 2020 is the last thing people remember, you know? Yeah. Everyone still feels like they're in 2020. And here we are now, you know, the pandemic, it's not over, but like, it's kind of like, getting everyone's getting used to it. It's winding down. It's winding down, <laughs> at least in intensity. Well, the, the, yeah, it's kind of always there. It's the lo- panic of it isn't there anymore. Yeah, it's low level these days. Uh, but now we're coming into 2022. Say that slowly. 2022. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the sequel to 2020. This is our <laughs> second go of 2020. This is no, what's yeah. going to happen. And it's going to be the same. Yeah, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> it's gonna be way better. Everyone's gonna have a great time. No, uh, because even like I had to put on, I had to set my my out of office today just because I'd forget if I did it tomorrow. And I was right, and I was like, I, I'm out of the office until like third January 2022, and I was like, oh, that's mad. Yeah. 2022, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It does feel like kind of in the future. Mm. Ah, uh, yeah. That's like that's like Blade Runner twenty forty nine years. <laughs> yeah, and Blade Runner took place in twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen is fucking years ago now. That's eons ago. Yeah, that's in the past. That's back in Trump land, like <laughs> Trump. Yeah, the Trump era. Yeah. When did Trump go to office? Was it last year? Go out of office? Yeah, January twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Was it? Yeah, twenty. No, it wasn't. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, that was earlier this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, geez, that feels like kind of longer. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? When yeah. you think of like the ca- like the hill drives and stuff like that, yeah, I remember we were doing the zoom, doing zoom. Yeah, call. we were on zoom when that happened. That was just after we come out of quarantine. Yeah, that was a Tuesday, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember it just like it was. Yes, it was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. I was on Zoom. <laughs> January sixth was a Tuesday. It was on Zoom. <laughs> we were laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were like this is mad. This is mad. Yeah, what a year! What a crazy fucking year! A lot of great memories. All those precious memories. <laughs> like tears and rain. You don't even think about time where, like, when you get older, years are, like, smaller. Shorter, yeah. Like, is that true? Like, you know that thing about memory? Like, like the, the way the that more time... you have. Isn't it just, like, maths, isn't it? I don't know, because I remember hearing that before. Like, you know, if when you're 100, a year of your life is 100th of your life. But when you're 10, a year of your life is one-tenth of your life. So that's why it feels like time is going by slower when you're younger. It must be. But I just think that school fucking sucks dick. And that's the reason why it feels like it's going on for so long. <laughs> I don't know. You know? I feel like that's definitely true. Well, I mean, we... Do you not feel the passing like, way faster? Well, when I think about the fact that... Like, I was... We were in college longer than I, than we were in the, like... Leaving cert cycle. Yeah, I suppose. Like, leaving cert only two years. That did not feel like two years. What did it feel like Like, e- existing in it, a century. <laughs> felt, yeah, yeah. felt never-ending. I suppose it felt a bit longer, yeah. It's fair, fair college felt like ages. College did feel like it ages. Felt like, we only did a short course. Mm. But still felt like for fucking forever, you know? Yeah. Like, from the, comparing the start to the end of it. I think as totally well... Totally different. I, su- I assume with college, though, it is like... It's six semesters. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a long time. To like having like all these brand new topics each semester flies by like that. 
Meanwhile, like when you're doing like history, it's like hit, like in school, history just goes on and on and on. <laughs> and Irish it never ends. It never ends. <laughs> There's just more to learn about. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then Irish is just like Irish is the same thing as well. It's like oh, we're learning about Irish Day. There's no like set. Yeah, the monotony of it class. all. Class, like today we are doing this. Yeah. Plus, you had more time to do other stuff in college. That's it as well. You're in only, college. We're only in what ten hours a week. Something Those like are the glory, <sighs> really. the glory days. Peaks back then, man. I was just thinking about Newbury the other day. At the student bar, mm. it's like three euro for a can stuff, and you go there with like nine euro, and you'd be grand. Yeah, be fucked. You'd be grand, <laughs> but like that's that was all you cared about, you know. Those were the simpler days. They were the simpler days. <laughs> they didn't have to worry about paying taxes. Cash <laughs> 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 and hand jobs every week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't didn't have to go to class. It's like ah, I'm too tired. I'm not gonna go. Yeah, can't do that with work now. Can't do that with work. Yeah, <laughs> well you can, but I can't. Yeah, well. Yeah, you can't really. Yeah, you can't really. Like. <laughs> Your boss ringing you and be like, what's up? See, I think in Portugal, was it Portugal? Yeah, it was Portugal. They made it illegal for uh, bosses to contact you outside of working hours. That's the only way it should be. Yeah, that's once it hits it five o'clock, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's... Lose my number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't exist. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a big thing. Or that's law in a lot of places, except for like here. Oh, like on the continent, I think. I think France mm. is is the same as well. Like you can't. France is mad for worker rights. Yeah, yeah. No, the kings out there because they they fight for it. Yeah, bro. They, like they go to the mat for like the right to fucking doss off in work. Oh yeah, it's the like, fire brigade will light themselves on fire to prove a point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want an hour break. You said it forty five <laughs> minutes, and they're there setting themselves on fire. That's the way it should be, though. That's so that that goes to show how like you know uh, petty. The people who have the power are that like you need to go to such extreme measures to like <laughs> I need to light myself on fire. Yeah, you need to light yourself on fire, or, like do all these mad things just so you don't get annoyed outside of work or whatever. You mm. know? Basic kind of things. Yeah, the French are mad, but they're gonna do some crazy next few years. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of weird developments. A lot of weird developments. I'm getting like a lot. Now they're talking about the differences in <clears throat> in like the constant stuff with that workers' rights. I'm getting like a bunch of Americans talking about the differences. Of living in America and Europe and stuff like that. Jesus, man, I would never move to America purely for the working rights. Yeah, it's shocking. Absolutely abysmal. Their minimum wage is hilarious, hilariously bad. Like, oh, it's so and like you like your holidays. You're not guaranteed any holidays. Yeah, 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 and you're not allowed sick sick days. Apparently, there's mm. a thing where you're not allowed sick days until you're three months in. But like. What if I get COVID, bro? Yeah, what if, what if I'm sick? You know, it's like you can't help being yeah. sick, you know? Stuff like that. God bless you if you're sick. If you're really sick, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Because I saw this thing as well, those like, um, I don't know if it's true or not. It was one that the man like cited us. He had a graph around them, so I'm going to assume it was like, pretty legit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just like a linear graph. You know, it's just a graph. You know those Prager U like graphs. That yeah, like, yeah. Aren't, like, Ar- arc standards and it's like whoa, it went really went down here <laughs> about like, it. Postmodernism. It's like, what the fuck? Is it? Like, the late the art like the what are they called? The X and Y uh, axes. Axes yeah. aren't marked or anything. It's just lines <laughs> meaning nothing. Um, like it was one that was like how the schools are funded. The schools are funded by um the property tax i think it's by the property tax from that area so if you live in a rich area people are paying more property tax and that property tax goes into funding your school yeah your yeah. local school so if you live in a poor area your schools can be shy go fuck yourself yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that makes like that is literally just perpetuating poverty 
like yeah. on purpose <laughs> it's every man for himself like, mm. every man for himself that's the problem these days it's, it's, all, it's all about me 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 what about your fellow man you what know about, what about me bro yeah fuck, fuck you what about, about me? me what about me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's the way it should be it's like what about what about me though you know uh, that, yeah it's, it's fucking mad stuff madness like know? what a crazy way to run your country is just to fuck up like just fuck everyone that's yeah, not rich it's the fact it's so like a uh, like they have it decentralized in like that federal system, but it doesn't. Like it's not. It's federalized in the same way, in the same spirit as like uh, the Confederates wanted to federalize it. So, so like they can have their own little fiefdoms <laughs> to like you know c- c- conduct these horrible experiments on the people that live there, yeah. rather than to you know have their own kind of freedoms or whatever. It's also they can just like impose these create like the abortion law in Texas and stuff like that. Like that would never obviously get through like a federal court. So instead, they just did at a state level. Like that's the only kind of uh, freedoms they're looking out for mm-hmm. there. You know, it's fucking mad. I was reading some story on Twitter about, about some woman who had cancer, and uh, she was like the breadwinner for the family, and so she was, she couldn't stop working because the the empl- like the employer doesn't have to pay you mm-hmm. like sick leave or anything like that or any like compassionate leave in whatever state she was in. And she ended up basically working herself to death, Jesus and then like her Christ. her employers like uh, sent like a you know. Uh, what you call it condolences to the family and then put up straight away put up a notice for like uh we help wanted a uh, fucking floor cleaner needed asap it's like what's like what's what's you know what's where's the, the humanity where's the, oh the humanity <laughs> oh the humanity stuff like that like you're just a number on a spreadsheet in that country yeah the, the fact that they well, we got that we are the same thing here more or less yeah. but like not not to that extent at least we're not as egregious here mm. you know there's a bit of a pretense about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> at least we pretend to care <laughs> oh wild America's just wild yeah you see Chile the Chile election yeah your man Barrich won what a king what a king here we go yeah, he's 35 step one step one step closer to you know United <laughs> United countries United countries across the world take it down <laughs> yeah yeah you see the BBC reaction to it as well oh I say it was this right now they had a they're like because they're covering it to come. <laughs> yeah no, they're covering it it's like oh, Chile has uh, abandoned the centre it's like Chile has this choice between a leftist firebrand and a, like son of a Nazi mm. and like a Pinochet supporter and stuff. And then your man won and they're doing a reaction to it. Uh, so doing like uh, Vox Pops out in the street and like with like the average Chilean and what they thought about the election. And they're just doing like a few random people. It's like, oh, like, you know, I thought it's good. Like I voted for a cast and all this stuff. And then they have this guy, um, I think his name's uh, Hugo, Hugo Pinochet. I don't mention the fact that he's they don't the mention gra- the second name. <laughs> no, his, his second name comes up, but they don't mention the fact that he's, you know, Augusto Pinochet's grandnephew. And he's like, this is terrible. <laughs> it's like, why are you asking his opinion? Like, why are you asking a Pinochet what he what yeah, thinks yeah, of, yeah. of a leftist? Like, oh, it's just the BBC. They pretend. They pretend. Yeah, it's... Uh, but know, at least they Manufacturing pretend. consent, bro. That is it. You know? That's, that's the idea. All, that's what it's all about. But yeah. Yeah. Talking about manufacturing consent... I'm going to go against the consent here. I'm going to go with Spider-Man No Way Home. You're going against the consent? I'm going to go against the consent. Spoiler alert, even though I'm pretty sure at this stage anyone that wanted to see this film has probably already seen it. going to go into some spoiler territory with this film. So if you don't want any spoilers, timestamps below, skip forward. This movie's all right. It's just grand, isn't it? <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Yeah, it doesn't have like no, it had ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I want to check what this is on Letterbox, man. Because when I saw this film on Letterbox, it was like nearly one of the highest rated things on Letterbox of all time. Like. Of all times, it was huge. It was at like four point four. 
and it is now uh, if my Wi-Fi allows this to fucking open. Um, yeah, man, people just seem to be like loving it because it is the best fan service you will ever see. Mm. Um, it is nostalgia bait to the max, and you know what? Uh, I enjoyed those parts of those films because my nostalgia was was serviced. Um, <laughs> Four point three, yeah, four point three. Four point three on Letterbox. Letterbox should be doing better than that, shouldn't it? It's young. It's because it's a young, like Letterbox's audience is very young. But like they're pretentious as well, aren't they? They're pretentious. They're like us. But they're like Tobey Maguire is my Spider Man, and he's in this movie. (laughs) Or Andrew Garfield. I like there's bits. They serve like the fan service is really good. Like there's a bit like you know the whole thing in Spider Man or Amazing Spider Man, the Andrew Garfield one, the second one. What about it? You know that Emma Stone dies in that film? Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't catch her. That was so cringeworthy, where the the, the web reaches yeah, out to like catch her. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Well, in this film, at the end of the film, uh, Zendaya, MJ, she falls, and then Tom Holland jumps to save her, and then he's taken out by Green Goblin, but then Andrew Garfield jumps, and he saves her. Oh, okay. And then, he, <laughs> and then he lands, and he's holding her, and she's like, oh, thank you very much, and he has tears in his eyes because he didn't get to save his MJ, uh, but he right. got to save Tom Holland's MJ. So he's mm. kind of, like, redeeming himself that way. Um, Tom Maguire's character doesn't get the same kind of level with that. There's a bit where he's talking to Doc Ock, and Doc Ock's just, like, a good guy for the majority of this film. That's so um, weird. Which is strange. It's kind of a waste. But, I mean, he was... he's the best villain by far. He's the best villain because he's inherently a good guy and he was corrupted. You know, that's the good thing. That's the yeah. cool thing about Doc Ock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's still a really cool bad guy. Yeah, and he's, he's, but he's by far the best villain in any Spider-Man film. Oh, easily. And which is easily. why. like, like <laughs> That's why like he put he's on every poster. He's, he's in on, every trailer. And same with Green Goblin. Like, Green Goblin is the main... Which is weird that Green Goblin is like kind of... he. Green Goblin is the main villain in this film. I didn't even know that. But you wouldn't know that by the posters because most of the posters is Doc Ock's like arms swirling, arms swirling around, around Peter, yeah. and stuff like that. But it's like he he's immobilized after the first fight and is after that point is no longer a threat because he can't move because Spider-Man has like nanobots in his arms that have just like taken them over and constricted him. So he can't move and then he's turned into a good guy and then he's a good guy for the rest of the film. Um, so that's like... I did enjoy that kind of well, like this, you know. I'm kind of mixed feelings over that because I do swings and roundabouts. Because I like Doc Ock as a villain, uh-huh. but it's also sweet to see him be a good guy because that was he was you know he, he was started out with good intentions and he's conflicted in Spider-Man too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this film, you know, he gets to you know kind of redeem himself. Um, you can clearly tell in this film that like. Spider-Man, like, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man 1 and 2, those villains are the villains that matter. Sandman does not matter in this film. Electro barely matters in this film. Mm. Lizard does not matter in this film. Because they're all shite villains. Because they're shite villains. They're all all terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible villains. Like, they do not matter at all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, Doc Ock and Green Goblin. Green Goblin, you know... Not even the most icon- They're the two most iconic villains, to be fair. Yeah, but plus great, still. the best actors by far. Like, jeez, oh, like Willem Dafoe is fucking unreal in this film. Yeah, he's well. no right to be in this film. He doesn't need to be in this. Oh, film. he's so man. He has not aged. <laughs> yeah, like he has not. Like just seeing him as Green Goblin like made me realize he has not aged since watching Spider Man One. Yeah, because that came twenty out, years ago. Yeah, twenty years ago. Yeah, that is mad. He's still doing it. Is it still the same suit and all? Um. 
No, because he like he smashes the helmet at one stage, um, after like the after like the second scene or so, he smashes the helmet and then he's he doesn't wear a helmet basically, and then he's just he's oh, got like the right. same kind of suit, but he's wearing like a cloak. Yeah, because the helmet was always kind of mm. kind of iffy anyway. Yeah, the helmet didn't look great, so good thing he smashed it. <laughs> yeah, it was James, it's James Franco in it. No, he's not the Hobgoblin. Yeah, you know he's not in it. Um, I actually imagine that they might have. They might have brought him in if James Franco wasn't cancelled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably would have been good on the on the post mm. or something like that. Yeah, but he's kind of bad news. He's he's, a, he's a bad stink on him. Yeah, just don't touch him. <laughs> don't touch that. Uh, he'll be rehabilitated soon enough, I'm sure. But um, yeah, like all those fan servicey bits are cool. It is mind blowing seeing Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in the film. Like, it's impossible not to get this like kind of reaction out of it yeah 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 um, that was the best I was really looking forward to that you know like that scene is great like the reveal it's not even like the reveal it's just seeing them like it's not even it's not even a great reveal I would I would argue because Tobey Maguire just like kind of turns around and he's there <laughs> yeah Um, but like they're not the same characters like they are not it is not Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and it is not Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man they are both MCU characters That's, at this stage. That is criminal, to be fair. Mm. Absolutely criminal. Because I was kind of imagining, like I was, you know, I was looking forward to I was going to go see this in cinemas, but cinemas aren't open, really. Mm. Like they're kind of like half open, so I'm not going to see this at all until uh, it's on Netflix or something. But uh, I was imagining, you know, that scene, they all come together or whatever. But I, I was only like assuming that uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man would only be in it for a few minutes. Like it, it, yeah, they're in it for like half an hour. Half an hour. But I, was, I, I imagine they'd be in it for like a little bit, just as a kind of like as fan service. Mm. And leave it to Tom Holland to kind of carry the whole thing. I didn't think they... Like, you're going to run into a problem there, obviously, where you have to... You need to bring back the writers from the original, from the respective original series to actually capture a get, real crossover. Like, Why not get Michael Shibon to write... Yeah, because like, he wrote the second yeah, Spider-Man, yeah, Spider-Man yeah. Two. He wrote that. Why not get him to write some of this as well? Like that would have been like an absolute. I doubt they did. I don't. That would have been a crack. I there's, didn't look that up. There's absolutely they did. no way they did that. Mm. No way. MCU doing that? Absolutely no way. But that would have been a cracker of an idea. Mm. That would have been amazing. You know. Yeah. Just do Spider-Man Two again. And it is like very blunt in its fan service. Like it's not subtle at all like the characters are really just like they're like winking and nudging at you throughout the entire film and it but like it is hard to not be like this is really cool like it is like these characters do crossovers get, are always good you know I, usually best always. crossover what's the best crossover of all time um scooby-doo and batman shout you know 1960s original version that's a shout <laughs> <laughs> hard to argue with that one yeah <laughs> that's a really good one Timmy Turner and Fairy Odd Parents one. I just remember. The, I just think of the the Nickelodeon ones. Nickelodeon ones. What was the one with Timmy Turner? Jimmy Neutron. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that guy. That kind of freaked me out though. Mm, Timmy Junior. Jimmy Little. Jimmy Neutron looked really fine when he was in Fairy Fairy Odd Parents World. Timmy Turner looked like a yeah, fucking hell demon. That still burned into my brain. Oh I can see god, that. he looked so bad. His teeth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The teeth in his eyes. His eyes were three D, like <laughs> gross. Um, but yeah, like the it is like mad fan service, and like the writing in this film. It's the same across all MCU films. The writing just isn't good. 
like and like another thing it is not fucking funny like there are so <laughs> many jokes in this film and f- like for me none of them landed none none there's like at the odd time you go hmm yeah that's it that's the majority that you're getting that's out of this every MCU MCU yeah. film isn't it just you like know? a hmm see every now and then, you know Tony Stark oh you're so that's so that's so funny there's a bit where there's a quip there's, a, there's an awful fucking line where Doctor Strange is talking to Zendaya and he's just like um I need you to Scooby Doo this shit and like round up all the villains. And she's like, I know a magic word. It begins with P. And he goes, Please, will you Scooby Doo this shit? And that's that's meant to be a joke. <laughs> that's meant to be funny. They spent hours on that. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you. That they went through a, several different phases. They, uh, they of had writing. a boardroom talking about that. They yeah. had AI running through the algorithm to make sure, like, <laughs> what other words can we use for the P word? It's like, Several different stages of uh, brainstorming, kind of like you know, uh, different different designs, different drafts. You know mm. who can do it. You know wh- which works the best, which audience works the best for you know. Fucking madness. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're just they're just not funny. No, they're just they except just for Ragnarok. Funny. But then you need an art to work on behind it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Taika Waititi's funny. So mm. yeah, who was actually behind uh, this one? Uh, it's the same director of um, the other Tom Holland ones. I don't know what his name is, but like, excuse me. The Tom Holland Spider-Man movies aren't good Spider-Man movies. That's bold. Like they're not. That's a bold statement. They're not good. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the second one. I haven't seen any of them. But based on the first one, like it's not a good Spider-Man film. At least the uh, Homecoming, because like, like in Homecoming, he's just a little capitalist. Like he's like Vulture is right in what he is, <laughs> in what his points are, but. Tom, or Tom Holland's Spider-Man is like, well, gee whiz, man, you can't do that because the Avengers... Yeah. Fuck off. Doesn't he become like, he inherits Tony's empire? He's a billionaire, isn't he? He's not a billionaire. Like, he's actually, there's actually one stage where he talks about being broke. I was like, there's no fucking way you're broke, kid. There's he broke? There's Like, the Avengers, the Avengers know who you are. There's no way you don't have cash. But, uh... Yeah, do not inherit Stark Industries or anything? He has like some of the tech. Like his suit is like a nanobot suit. Mm. So like he gets hit. broke, mate. Sell yeah, the suit. Yeah, sell the suit. Sell the suit. Bro. Like. <laughs> Come on, like. Um. Yeah, and they're all like the whole thing is that like everyone now knows who Spider Man is, um, and that's why he you know goes to Doctor Strange like, how oh, can we fix this or whatever? It's just kind of you know whatever. Whatever. Mm. So what's the prognosis? The diagnosis. It's you know it was great fan service. It was uh, nostalgia bait as fuck, and I enjoyed that aspects of it. But up until like genuinely, up until like uh, Doc Ock comes into it, which is about forty minutes into the film, I was like, this is bullshit. This is not. <laughs> I was like, this is just an MCU film. This is whole thing where like um, you're kind of sitting there waiting for, waiting for things to start. Like because it takes about like twenty minutes until. Uh, Doc Ock shows up and then like until things really start going down yeah how long is this I think it's like two and a half hours Jesus what's the what's the need for that I'm gonna check that now I think it is two and a half hours great end credit scene though great end credit scene yeah spoil the end credits as well oh Venom's in it Venom's gonna be the next one because <laughs> uh, t- Tom Hardy shows up and you're like I was like oh no don't tell me you're gonna pull Tom Hardy into this but then he's two and a half hours yeah two really and a half hours the yeah oh my god yeah it really didn't need to be that long Um, 
Yeah, that's so excessive. There's this awful, awful scene as well. Like, like where it's at the very start of the film and Tom Holland picks up Zendaya and they're like, they're like slinging webs and like, you know, going like wherever the fuck they're going, they're just moving to, from point A to point B. But like it's shot, it's shot as if it's on a GoPro on Spider-Man's arm as he's spinning web and they're really close and it looks like shit. It looks so bad. The green screen in this film, there's a really emotional scene because Aunt, Aunt May dies in this film <laughs> where Spider-Man's at her grave with uh, Happy, who's like his like side, his mate basically. Uh, At the end of the film, everyone has to forget who Spy- who Peter Parker is basically to solve this issue. So like, he's at he's at the grave talking with Happy, and Happy doesn't know who he is. Yeah. And they're both at, at May's grave, and it's like this mad emotional scene. And I'm just sitting there like, why is this on a green screen? Yeah, like they're not, they're not at a cemetery. Like at a cemetery is like there. Like you can clearly see that the background. They're not on location at all. They're on this. They're on a set somewhere. And even the way that like Spider Man, like the way that he um he gets away from uh, Happy is really awkward because you can kind of see that. Like I was because I noticed a green screen straight away. I was like, that's really bad green screen. And I was like, oh, Tom Holland's really awkwardly stepping behind him so he doesn't. You know, oh, hit into anything. Yeah, he like yeah. walks in this really weird way, like not really weird way, but noticeably as if he's on a set. Um, the green screen is so bad, which is weird because the special effects, like the fights and stuff like that, look great. Yeah, well, it's weird that it costs two hundred million dollars to make. Why are they not showing uh, shooting you know? on location? Like, just, why is everything on a set? <laughs> like that's the GDP of a small country, you know, and they can't afford like. You don't even have to build a set. You can just go outside. Well, my man made the point of, well, it's because they want to keep everything a secret. They don't want things getting leaked. Yeah, but they do it for every film, though. Things still get leaked anyway, I guess. Yeah, but, like, you couldn't have... Like, whatever about... You can't have, like, Tom Holland... Or not Tom Holland, uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Fair enough not having them in a location where, like, it's... In fact, they're not even in anywhere where it could be a realistic location like they're everywhere is like a set CGI, a CGI yeah. kind of place so that's fine whatever but like everything else I don't get it I don't know why they don't shoot because like Captain um, America Winter Soldier when they shot those scenes I'm pretty sure like a couple of those fight scenes are on location like they're in a street and they're fighting yeah 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 yeah. that was very realistic the way they did that yeah I don't know why other fight any of these new ones they're all on a set maybe maybe COVID's something to do with that i don't know because they had a because the guys that did that the what are they called the, the guys, two brothers rousseau the rousseau, the rousseau brothers, brothers yeah they did did they do infinity war as well that's like that's but, fair enough but they're but they're jumping from something like uh winter soldier which is very like you know grounded, grounded. yeah very grounded gr- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah very realistic film it's like a it's shot as like just like a, a normal action movie, mm-hmm. like it's not there's no like mad there's no crazy CGI effects until, until the end until the end, which is like that's in the contract you can't change the ending, like you, like I'm pretty sure they didn't even shoot that, but then they move on to like Infinity War, which is just CGI like all the way through, mm. and like all those movies are after like after once there's like crossovers in it, it's just CGI fest everywhere. Yeah, you know? once there's more than one character in it, it seems with MCU anyway, because even like I remember Iron Man. First Iron Man didn't didn't have a lot of CGI unless even the Iron Man costume I remember in, in the early scenes was only it was augmented by CGI mm. like it wasn't like 
I don't know what the Spider-Man costume is like, but it's I all it's fully CGI, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I see. I imagine that the, he doesn't wear an actual... Yeah, because, man, even... Yeah, though, they are definitely wearing CGI suits because there's a bit where I was, like, looking at Tom... Or looking at Andrew Garfield <clears throat> and Tobey Maguire, who I have seen wearing real costumes, and I was just like, your head is kind of floating there because I can tell <laughs> that like you're wearing, like, a mocap suit. Yeah, that's so weird. Like, that must be shit for an actor. Mm. It's like, I'm Spider-Man, but I'm just wearing... A- a fucking morph suit. I don't get my own actual costume. Yeah, yeah. Grim. Well, it's a hard life being a Spider-Man actor. It's still good though. <laughs> like it is. Like it's still grand. Like that's <laughs> ah, all right. Well, what, what's out of ten? Out of what's your what's your star rating? Let letterbox. Three stars on letterbox. Three stars. Mm-hmm. That's favorable. I thought you would have went two and a half or something. No, well, no. You can't. You don't. You don't three go stars. With that, yeah. Three stars. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even give it two and a half stars because all the things that are good about it is what you expected, like the Tom McGuire stuff, the Andrew Griffith stuff, that's all great. But all the minuses are the f- the regular stuff with MCU films. So it just does what it says in the tin. Yep. It's an MCU Spider-Man film that has two of your favourite Spider-Men in it. <laughs> or that's, three, if you like Tom Holland. That's all we can really ask for mm-hmm. from MCU, from Marvel. That's all, that's that's the, they, uh, they, they jumped the, uh, jumped the, the, the shark, the whale. No, what's it? The they, spider. They made it, they, they the bar, the, the bar was low, and they then they jumped over it. I don't oh, know. Oh right, yeah. What type, yeah. Of, what type of way would you say that? Um, I don't know. Well, they managed to get over. They the vaulted bar. the shrub. Yeah, you know they did that. <laughs> <laughs> what did you watch this week? Uh, I had a look at a, I had a look at a little film called Magic. Magic. Which is not what you think. Oh. You know, oh. people think of uh, magic. They think of Magic Roundabout. They think of Magic Mike. They think of films like that, which are related to magic. But this film is not related to magic really at all. Magic Mike is so magical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and now you see me. How they do it? Like that. <laughs> <laughs> How did they get in like, <laughs> such good shape? Magic Ghana. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is a film from 1978, directed by Richard Attenborough, the less famous Attenborough brother. Oh yeah, I was gonna say. But he used to be more famous. Yeah, yeah. I, was I don't say, know. I don't I know, know their origin I know that story. name. <laughs> yeah, Richard Attenborough. He's the one who died. Mm. And uh, starring Anthony Hopkins. Mad. Like young Anthony. This is before he was really big. This is like in his earlier, mm. earlier kind of era. He's doing a lot of collaboration work with Richard Attenborough back in the day, apparently. And uh, this is one of those films from 1978. Anthony Hopkins, he looks the exact same. Yeah, so he does. <laughs> he looks like one of those guys that doesn't age. Yeah, well, yeah. But Not like, a, like, like he's, a, he's always been old. Like a Christopher Walken. He just has that face. Yeah, that never he's ages. a really distinct face. Yeah. But like he has a... Because he has hair and all. And his hair is like... He has like color in his hair. His brown hair. You know? But like... It looks like he's wearing a wig. Because I'm like, you don't have hair. Yeah, because I think the youngest <laughs> I've ever seen Anthony Hopkins is... Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Sil- now, I haven't seen uh, Elephant Man. I'm pretty sure he has hair in Elephant Man. But that's like early 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's early 80s. I don't know. But yeah, he has hair in this anyway. And I was just like, the entire time. It kind of looks like one of those uh, Playmobil characters. You mm. know, to stick on the hair. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like you shouldn't have hair. Like David Spade and Crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what the hell? What the fuck is this? Yeah, you get a bit of that body horror going on. But uh, it's about this guy called Corky. And uh, he's a failing magician. He's a really bad magician. And uh, the opening sequence is kind of like Joker. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Because mm. he's standing on stage and everyone's ignoring him. And he's like, his act is terrible. And uh, yeah, he snaps. And uh, the whole thing is he's trying to get into show business, but his act is terrible. So uh, he has his agent, uh, Ben, Ben, what's his, Ben Green. And uh, this agent comes over and he's like, your act is fucking terrible. Like, find <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you need to find the gimmick if you want to make it in this business. That's what he's saying. 
And so uh, Corky goes away and comes back a year later. And this time he's uh, he's become a mixed act. So he's he's, he's freshened it up. Mm. And not only is, is he a magician, just like card tricks and like, you know, sleight of hand, all that stuff. He's also a ventriloquist. So he has a dummy called Fats. Oh, we'd love to be a ventriloquist. Yeah, so would I. I just have the ability to do it. Yeah, I prefer the ability rather than to walk around a public. Yeah, no, everyone think you're weird. But I want to be able to. I want to be able to like talk to someone and then just stop talking and then my voice still come out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be guys. Like just a random stranger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're like, "Am I going crazy?" I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he's. It's kind of like Pin, Pin, the film we touched on, kind of. Last week. Last week, which was a uh, which is a similar kind of vein because you think they're both. They both seem to be horrors on the surface, mm. but they're also not really. That was so weird. Sorry. Hey, what was going on there? It's the the feedback is coming from the ah, the plug. Pretty static. Yeah, that's what it is. I will make it. But um, so like they're more just they're just kind of psychological thrillers. But there is like in pain, there's always like this looming kind of threat that maybe Fats mm. has something, you know, some kind of like is something else going some on. Some kind of yeah, some of his own sovereignty or something like that. But basically, this, yeah, this, he has this dummy fats, which is like a uh, smaller version of himself, you know, with like the weird hair and shit Fuck like that. that. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, that. It's really weird. But like, it works that Corky is like this mild-mannered fucking dweeb kind of character and he's like kind of awkward and like jilted. And uh, fats is this loud-mouthed, uh, basically kind of uh, sexual harassment uh, nightmare kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who harasses women, like anyone he sees, you know. This is like a really fucked up Goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like Slappy. I, I always just be terrified of uh, of all those puppets because of Slappy mm. Goosebumps, you know. They're not, but there's not enough dummy-based horror out there. I think it's kind of cheesy at this stage or something. But then Annabelle's really fucking scary and she's a fucking doll, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you have to do it a certain way. Because Chucky, I think, maybe kind of tired that whole thing out. The whole, yeah. The whole micro-genre. But, uh, this isn't like that, you know, because you have because Fats is basically just a different iteration. It's like a different side of this is a really f- of I, Corky. Now that you're talking about this film, like I've heard that Fats, like I've heard of that before. Of the dummy, yeah, the dummy, this yeah. kind of premise. This is clearly like I think this. I don't know. If, I'm, I'm assuming this is a really famous film. Yeah, I think it's kind of famous. It's it's well kind of like regarded anyway, mm. you know, and um, so like it basically operates that he's. That like Corky is himself, he's like a fucking loser, and then Fats is this is this thing that's going to propel him to fame. Mm. But at the same time, Fats is also just a different side of Corky, and um, not only like just kind of more brash, more outgoing, but also you know knows things. It's more like kind of uh, just more like accepting of like obvious truths about mm. Corky, you know, and like it from there kind of uh, like you have a whole scene where. Uh, he does his act in front of uh, in front of the the room, and everyone loves it. And the agent's like, he's like, you, you're going straight to the top, kid. You know, it's like, like this <laughs> you're is gonna it. make it. <laughs> you're gonna make it in this town. I swear to God. And he does, and like he's he's about to sign a contract and all this stuff, but he refuses to do a medical because he knows, and Fats knows that there's something, you know, wrong, mm-hmm. and that he wouldn't pass the medical, and he that he you know he's trying to get the the agency to sign him or the the network to sign him without having to do it. And uh, there's a whole like kind of build up there. He basically has a breakdown, flees into the mountains. Where is puppy? Where is puppy? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he goes looking for his childhood sweetheart called Peggy Ann. She's living remotely out in um, his old uh, childhood neighborhood, mm. like kind of on her own with this like this like the old 
the old kind of jock character from high school. Yeah. And she's unhappy in her marriage and all this stuff, and she rides Corky, and like all this kind of stuff happens. She rides Corky. Sorry. They have sex. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking of fats. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Like, why does he have such a clownish name? You know, he should he should make more distinction. Mm. He, he should have a normal name, not Cork. She calls him Cork. She's there. Ah, Cork, don't be. You know, ah, Cork, come over here. It's like. Cork, what? Hey, bye. <laughs> yeah, hey, how are you getting on? Oh. But um, yeah, so they have a like, kind of like a romantic entanglement, and her husband, the jock Duke, he's not too happy about it, and there's a whole kind of thing. And the agent comes back up, come, uh, comes up into the mountains to summon Corky back down to the city to figure out what's going on. <laughs> to summon him from the mountains. Yeah, yeah, and he, he walks in, and Corky's in his like motel or whatever, and he's grappling with the uh, fats, mm. like fighting with him. And uh, the agent's like, there's something wrong, man. Like, there's something wrong here. Like, you need to get help. Mm. And um, there's this really cool scene, which kind of plays out in real time, where the agent's like, I need to do something that any normal person could do, that any healthy person could do. I need you to put down fats for five minutes. Because he's always, con- he's constantly has him on his wrist. And he's constantly talking through him, like, sort of like, like a call and response thing. Mm. And uh, Wait, does he ride your one with... No. Okay. No, yeah, I have to make that clear. <laughs> He's not, like, watching or, like, <laughs> getting involved. It's just, like... Having a threesome of Fats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Fats isn't really involved in his his relationship mm. with, with Peggy Ann. But, um... So, uh, Corky sets down Fats on the, the couch beside him. He's like, that's fine, that's fine, I can do it. And, uh, it plays out pretty much in real time for the full five minutes where you see, like, it's a really good performance, like, acting-wise... Also, Anthony Hopkins does the voice for Fats as well. Like he, he, I think he learned ventriloquism to do the role. Dope. It's really well done. Mm. It's amazingly well done. And in this sequence, it's, you just sort of you sort of see him like sort of breaking down and becoming more and more desperate. And he's like, "How many seconds have passed? Thirty. He's like, "Ah, uh, sure, you know, three and a half minutes. Like that's no problem." He's like. Two and a half minutes. So what you tell me? He is, starts sweating. What you tell me now is that when he had sex with Peggy, he lasted less than five minutes. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or maybe he had him under the bed. He's like, oh, Quick you know. morning done, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose that's actually that's actually a great point. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. But uh, yeah, so he's struggling. He's sweating bullets, and basically caves about four minutes in, um, and it's a really well done scene. Uh, from then on, I say it's like, well acted as well. Oh yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Like the act without that performance, like that that scene doesn't doesn't happen. I don't think it mm. is sort of skipper. I think because because they had Hopkins It'd be mad to, cheesy or something. Yeah, because they had him there. I think that's what they decided to do. And um, so basically, then he has a showdown with the, you know, he has to resolve the problem with the agent and the kind of angry husband of his of his lover, and uh, it basically unravels into like a psychological thriller. It's like it's not a horror film at all. Mm. It's a very very well, extremely well done psychological thriller with a puppet in it and it's kind of silly mm. and there's not that much more to it it's definitely worth a watch because it's only an hour and a half long but too amazing about it it's just like really it's solid re- it's extremely solid yeah. extremely solid I think it has like a 3.6 or something on Letterboxd it's like it's impossible not to uh, not to appreciate the film mm. like it, I, I don't think I, I think there's any way you could like not enjoy it you know Yeah. but at the same time it's not something where you like you look back on it years later. It's like, oh, that was a that was, that was one of the masterpieces. Yeah, that was a, that was a class film. It's it's really heavy handed, and it's not like it doesn't really, you know, evoke too much. It doesn't really go anywhere. You know, it's just very very well well done, competent mm. film. 
And I enjoyed watching it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like that kind of horror, though. You know, there's a unique kind of horror, though, that like that he's connected to the puppet. But just puppet horror in general, I think, is really cool. It's always just creepy as fuck. There's always a level of Uncanny Valley that I love in horror. Yeah, the Uncanny Valley, yeah. yeah. That's the best part about, about this one, Magic, because it's like... It's actually a terrible title for the film, Magic. Yeah, why it's called Magic? I have no idea. Yeah. I thought it would be more magic in it, because it, it, like, the first 10 minutes, he's like, he's like mag- he basically says, oh, there's a thing about Merlin at the start of the film, but then it, it doesn't really come back up. Or maybe I missed something. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just ventriloquism. But uh, it's just ventriloquism. Yeah. It's dummies. Dummies are creepy. Ventriloquism is a form of magic. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Isn't everything. Isn't everything. Isn't life itself magical? That's so true. Mm. That's so true. Who's your favorite puppet in like media? Oh, Slappy has to be yeah, Slappy. Slappy Slappy's is still the, the most goat. terrifying. Yeah, the goat. Is he in the Goosebumps movie? I think he is. Yeah, he should be. He should have his own movie. He's so iconic that he kind of has to be, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. But he's still a rip-off, isn't he, of some other character? Imagine he's the rip-off of Magic. Of yeah, he must be it. Of uh, Fats. Fats. Because yeah. like, I'm pretty sure there's even... um. A Batman villain. That's that's a puppet. That's a puppet, and he's like he's got this like really weak, like beta male. That's like uh, yeah, yeah. that controls him, and then the the puppet is the real gangster. It's an amazing kind of like. I think that one is also called Fats as well. Maybe that's what it is. I'm gonna look that because up. it it's like an amazing like kind of horror idea. You know, it's like oh, this villain's so pathetic. Or like, oh, he's just using this puppet as an escape. But then you're like, the puppet is is controlling him. You're like, what? So such a like a freaky turnaround, you know? Uh, Arnold Wesker, the ventriloquist. Oh, he's literally called the ventriloquist. <laughs> that's oh, his puppet's called Scarface. Okay, that sounds cool. But like, yeah. same kind of deal. Similar, yeah. Jeez, that's. Jesus! Oh, that's fucked up. It's the reverse. I feel. <laughs> 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 yeah, what the hell? I feel like you could, you could, you could really do that well. Man, what is that one from? The Batman TV. I've seen that's the one I know. I feel like you could really do that well in like a, like you know the way they do the Riddler. They're doing the Riddler in the new one. Mm. Like you could have some just some fucking loser and he has a puppet. And he'd be scary, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Affiliation ventriloquist. That is that is an awful <laughs> villain name. The ventriloquist. <laughs> yeah. um, There's too many syllables. But yeah, that is like the duality, you know, controlling people. It's the same thing as fucking being John Malkovich, isn't it? Yeah, pup, yeah, a lot of puppets going on. Yeah, it's like, oh, Puppetry. I can, I can not disassociate, but kind of project my. Yeah, my, it's like the subconscious. Yeah, it's like it's it's your, your, yeah, your subconscious. Id, the id and the ego having a conversation with yeah, each other. Like, you know? like literally, like you're holding your id. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easier to. I don't know. It's like therapy. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm not doing this. It's it's fats. It's Scarface. It's slappy. You know, I'm not the villain. Yeah. It's the puppet. <laughs> we should all do that. But who's controlling the puppet? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It's cool, though. Puppets are cool. Puppets yeah. aren't cool, but you know. Puppets <laughs> aren't cool. Puppets have never been cool. Puppets have never, <laughs> ever been cool. Yeah. They've always like, been how, freaky. How do they maintain that line of, of uh, ventriloquists and puppeteers, you know? Like, who maintains, who perpetuates that bloodline, you know? Like, who, like, children don't, I, I can't imagine children just spontaneously become interested in puppets 
and stuff like that unless they're kind of introduced to it unless there's like, some form of trauma in their childhood <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> what's your man's name um the the quote-unquote comedian that's the ah one. jeff stone the guy with the puppet yeah jeff don't I want to see. I kept going. I had it so bad. I had in my in my head Jeffrey Dahmer. And I was like, "That's not his name." <laughs> yeah, guilty of the same crimes, you know. Yeah, he yeah. is so bad. Like, even one of his puppets is just literally Larry the Cable Guy. I was like, you Jeff Dunham, yeah, Jeff Dunham, yeah. You're just adding ventriloquism to an, to someone else's act. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking hack. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking hack. <laughs> Jeff Dunham called out on the Farrow Pod. <laughs> called <him> out. <laughs> we are digging you up from the, the the pop cultural cemetery from which you reside. Yeah, from that <laughs> like that two thousands comedy. That's Pete. Yeah. What was your man's name? The fucking Ahmad the Dead Terrorist or whatever the fuck it was called? Yeah, yeah. Grim. Fucking grim stuff. I remember yeah, it's mad racist act and stuff. Uh, I remember everyone in primary school used to quote it and then oh jeez, looking back and it's like that's just peak bush, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it actually is, yeah. That's peak bush. The bush era. Oh my. Yeah, that's that's unlocked the memory there. Yeah, that's what kill eventually because I'm right there. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that's, final nail in the coffin. Yeah, that's the perfect answer to, <laughs> to the original like, question. There's so many. There's that's so what, many. It's over. It's, it's after over. hundreds of years. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Dunham killed Ventura Lucas. But like, there's so much going against it, but it couldn't hack me. <laughs> racist. <too. laughs> yeah. Couldn't hack Ackman. Oh fucking hell! Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest Ackman. in pieces. <laughs> we go for a break. We'll go for a wee break. We sus. We loan. And we are back from the break once again. Do do do. Bit of harmonization. Bit of harmonization. For sight for silent night. Deadly night. One. The first one. Deadly Ooh. in the negative kind of way. Yeah. Deadly night. Deadly man. night, man. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna be talking about the silent night, deadly night part one and part two. Um, there's five of these films. Uh, I don't think we're going to watch them. No, no chance. <laughs> no chance of that. Yeah, we both watched the first one anyway. Yeah, um, I watched the first. It's on YouTube in very high quality. Yeah. One, 1080p. Yeah. I don't think many people give a shit about this film, so... <laughs> yeah, no one's going to watch it, to be fair. But it, it's a horror, festive horror kind of vibe anyway. And, Indeed. You know, it's there. It's there. It's, it's there. It's it's a classic. It's a classic Christmas horror film. Yeah. That and Black Christmas are probably the the two classic. Yeah, but it, like this one's bad. Yeah, this is <laughs> that's the main that difference. Bad. It's just mad. It's just like telegraphed. Everything's pure telegraph. You know what's yeah. gonna happen. You know. Yeah, from the get go. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but you know, it's satisfying at least. It's not even though the ending's kind of like. Huh. Well, the ending isn't satisfying, mm. but like everything else is is like it's doable. You know, it's 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 acceptable. It's it's a completely fine slasher movie. Yeah, yeah. When it yeah. eventually turns into a slasher movie. Because up until that point, it's just a young kid just going through a little bunch of trauma for like 40 minutes. <laughs> he gets fucked up. Jesus, he does. Yeah, poor Billy. It's always Billy as well. Poor Billy. Billy gets mangled. Always Billy. Yeah, he gets absolutely... Mentally mangled. <laughs> mentally mangled, yeah. And he gets put into... Or, yeah, what's... The, the, the beginning of the film. Very, very fucked up. I remember reading about this film back... Back when I used to trial Wikipedia and read the, the plot summaries of, of, of films, I was too scared to watch. <laughs> you were too scared to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night? Yeah, this is one <laughs> of the films that I I, I definitely read. I definitely read a description of um, 
the beginning anyway because mm. be- it starts out with this fucking maniac Santa Claus impersonator mm. because he's not the real Santa Claus and uh, he's loose on the streets and his car breaks down and uh, it's this lonely stretch of road in like a rural area or whatever and this family comes up behind him and uh, it's uh, a husband and a wife and they have a little baby in the back isn't it and they have like a son or something yeah and uh, they're like oh we have to help this fella it's like it's Santa Claus Come on, it's Christmas Eve you've got to save Santa it's Santa Claus and they've just gotten back from some like nursing home where the the catatonic granda has warned the son in like the most menacing terms possible. That was a really weird scene. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why did he do that? It's just like really creepy. Mm. But basically, yeah, the grand the granda is completely catatonic. But then all the grown-ups leave the room, and obviously the granda wakes up from his slumber, and he's like, Billy. He's, he's like Billy. <laughs> Come here, to my boy. He's like Santa Claus ain't a good guy. He's gonna punish the bad kids. He gives gifts to the goods. And then he punishes the naughty. <laughs> and then he goes back to his catatonia. And uh, then Billy's... Then it goes back and it's, you know... But he's all spookered then. <laughs> yeah, Billy's spooked. He's like, I don't want to... I don't want to... I don't want to see Santa. I don't want to see Santa. I don't want Christmas to happen. You know, I'm not looking forward to Christmas. And uh, they come across Santa with his car broken down in the middle of the road. It's like, we have to help to ha- have to help Santa. But Billy's like, no, 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 no. Santa's a bad guy. He's going to punish us. Sure and enough. <laughs> sure enough, that's exactly what happens. Is Santa goes mental because he's, he's a crazy guy. And uh, he shoots the dad. And then he, like, you know, uh, he fucks up the, the wife. Mm-hmm. And slits her throat. Slits her throat. And uh, Billy watches the whole thing. And so he's scarred for life. He ends up in an orphanage. Uh, it's one of those fucked up convent situations. Run Mad by, Christian. Run by a mother superior who's, like, really, uh, you know. She's your stereotypical nun. Yeah, she's just an evil nun. She's the real villain of the story. She's literally the, the she's villain. She's the cause of this. Yeah, she's she yeah, she did all the bad things by proxy in this film. She's the real villain. And uh she fucks him up in different ways. Mostly shaming sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff about, you know, sexual repression. I like it's a it's a recurring theme. It's like a thread that runs through all these kind of slasher films, especially in the 80s, I think. Or more like sort of on the nose in the 80s anyway. Because you used to have something like, you know, Halloween where like the pure virgin succeeds at the end. And uh, like you have a, a bit about sexual immorality. Well, I guess the pure virgin does succeed in the end of this film. <laughs> I suppose she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, But in this it's just pure. It's like this guy is fucked. The kid is fucked up mm-hmm. uh, like mentally and emotionally. But he also has like like. It's not like personal sexual trauma, but like he's it's a there's a very clear connection be- made between uh, violence and sex in mm-hmm. the film, and he and sin and sin and yeah must be punished yeah and religion comes into it, uh, so basically Billy is cursed to perpetuate the uh, trauma that he's already experienced in like both from uh, Santa Claus and from the Mother Superior mm-hmm. kind of character, and it all plays out in a very kind of predictable way, but a very like. It's like a mad 80s film in the way that it's, it looks, you know? Mad poppy colors, the red of the Santa suit, very cool. Yeah, like, it's the contrast in, like, the footage that they have is crazy, I thought. Like, they have, you know, like, really good quality, and then all of a sudden it turns into, like, this home video footage that they have. Yeah, I got that as well. Obviously, yeah. the, the original footage or something might not exist it's or something. It's lost. I mean, I it was because it's two different cuts. Maybe that's what it is. There's an unrated cut, and then there's a there's a there's a cut cut. Mm. You know, a censored cut. <laughs> yeah, I think the I think the censored cut was like seventy five minutes. 
So I was like, 75 minutes can blow through that. Yeah. But the one on YouTube is the Unrated Cup. I think that's the only real one that you can find. Yeah, I'd say so. It's pretty the only one worth watching. Like, yeah. Because you know? like, that's part of the... Uh, you know, it's a huge part of the thrill of watching something like this. Well, geez, you're not watching this for the acting and the story. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cinematography. You know, you're, you're watching it for the, the stimulation, the pure the stimulation. Yeah, the kills, the horror, the terror. And uh, there's a lot of that in there. There's a lot in there. There is a lot. When he, when he eventually gets to it, because up until, you know, he starts killing people, it is just kind of the same thing over and over again. This kid just getting... Poor you know, Billy. Poor Billy just getting, like... Railroaded by life. Yeah, just being dumped on because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you have like the you have the good like sister in in the convent who's like this kid needs help like this kid needs help he needs to be taken to like a therapist or like you know God ain't gonna save this kid at this point he needs <laughs> yeah. something else and Mother Superior's like no nah, all he needs is a good talking to a good uh, he needs to pull himself up by his bootstraps and get on with life and get a job him. get a job you fucking bum <laughs> But um, and uh, then Billy sees two these two random people that I don't think were established beforehand or established afterwards, just having sex in the convent, and he's peeping mm. through the people, and then Mother Superior comes up and is like, "What did you see?" And she fucking kicks the shit out of him for saying for just looking into the people and seeing these two riding, and um, it is just like sexual repression, which is a cool like explanation for why this character would you know go out of his way to kill you know the teens having sex like that's explained in the film as like he's trying to like you know strike them off the naughty list because like the purify, yeah. he's trying to purify make them you know be on the nice list for santa and stuff like that because like that's what the santa claus like sexually assaulted his his mom as well and billy saw that and then he killed her but like so it's all tied into into this brutal act of violence that he saw as a kid and then he goes on perpetuating it. But like, it, I think it's insane that the kid actor was way better than the adult man that they got to play him. Yeah, yeah the grown-up Billy is not a very good actor. No, right? he's not. He's just kind of stony-faced and then he's like making weird, weird kind of like facial gestures like yeah you know, it doesn't really make sense. He's a, a strange looking fellow to say the least. Yeah, he kind of looks more like, I don't know. He he doesn't really look the part. No, he doesn't look the part. He's too like bright eyes and yeah, blonde hair, uh, which is maybe is the point. But like, he's meant to be innocence, yeah, corrupted. Yeah, but like it would maybe be better if he's like a kind of Damien kind of character, who's like cursed, you know? Mm. You know, pale, pale white incel. Yeah. Like this guy's clearly gonna do something weird at some point, you know? Mm. He just happens to be in a Santa Claus suit. You know, yeah. Instead, it's just like this all-American boy, like no kind of hint to the fact that he's been like living through hell for like his entire life. Because it's not even uh, it's 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 supposed to be that he's not aware of what happened to his parents as well. That he somehow doesn't remember it. But he kind of does. Like he gets yeah, flashbacks he, and stuff like that. Like, yeah, he clearly knows. But yeah. and he's clearly old enough to remember. But like they're like, oh, you can't let him. Um, because he, he works in, like, a shop, and uh, Santa gets COVID or something. They're, they're like, you know, there's their shop Santa in, in their little grotto. He can't come in for whatever reason. He think he breaks his leg. And uh, so they're like, oh, we'll get Billy to do it. You know, big, big young mm. fella. He can be Santa. And, uh, but... Fucks him up. It fucks him up. Yeah, the, the nuns, the nuns there, like, 
they can't let him be Santa after <laughs> what happened. Like, yeah, you know. But they're like, Billy doesn't know. Billy, Billy just has an aversion to Santa, mm-hmm. which we're led to believe he doesn't know why. He just kind of has like a phobia, uh, and he's forced to dress up as Santa. He's got claustrophobia. Claustrophobia. Oh, I love that. <laughs> what can I say? But uh, I'm here all night. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Dunham. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he's uh, so Billy's there. Is it? There's this mad, mad weird scene where he's like, he has the kids on the lap as well. He's like, he's like throttling the, the kid. And uh, <laughs> the parents, the like, parents are like, yeah, he's so good with kids. Is he? Is he? Is he's he? like, sit on my lap, or I'm gonna fucking strangle you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like this all gonna be over very soon. He's like, he's like throttling the child he's, like, he's oh, so he's, good he's, he's a great Santa isn't he <laughs> I'm gonna murder you and your family <laughs> yeah. if you don't sit in my fucking lap it just goes to show you know, that the power is uh, it, it all stems from the uniform mm. at the end of the day <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and like even like the, the kills are kind of they're kind of whatever for the most part ah yeah yeah they're like, just a, they're just you know some of them are good. Like, the one where he impales your one on the, on the, on the deer. Yeah, head is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. But, like, he just, like, decapitates some kid on a sleigh. And it's like, whatever. That was fine. Yeah, the first one he does is, is a bit stupid. Where he wraps the... Uh, like, your man is sexually harassing the, yeah. the girl worker. And uh, so so Billy comes over in the Santa Claus suit and gets uh, fairy lights or uh, Christmas tree lights and wraps them around your man's neck and then lifts him up with one hand and he just dies straight away. He's, <laughs> He's like... Ugh. And then he kills the girl. Yeah, he just murks her too. Very weird. How does he kill her? He's just... I think he just stabs her. Yeah. Because he has a knife. He has a little switchblade. Which is a bit weird. It's like, surely they could have come up with something better for Santa Claus to, to be using. I don't know. know like, like a candy cane or something like that. Yeah, but he goes around with an axe. That's the iconic one, isn't it? Does he? Oh, okay. Yeah, he goes around with an axe towards the end. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, he doesn't kill like five people. Well, actually, no. He kills actually a bunch of people. He kills like your man. He kills the, the girl, the fella, the shopkeeper. And then the the girl, the assistant. Well, the assistant, yeah, yeah. I can't really remember how he kills him though. I think he kills the shop owner off screen, but I can't remember how he kills the your one. She she nearly escapes. Yeah, and he gets her. Yeah, I can't remember either. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, what it did you think? Matter. What did you think of the <laughs> of the deaf priest that dressed up as Santa getting gunned down by the oh, priest? Yeah. <laughs> I love how that's explained after the fact as well. <laughs> he like, was, the, like we got him, we got him. It's like that wasn't him. That was Father John, whatever. Yeah, that was Father Jack. And they're like, we shot at him. We fired warning shots. She's like, of of course he's deaf. <laughs> he didn't hear it. It's like <laughs> it's like the image. It's like this deaf Santa just like strolling through the snow. He just gets shotgunned in the back. You know, <laughs> the way like the way they explain it. Like, it's it's so like, funny. It's like offhand as well. <laughs> it's just like oh, it, it of course it had to be a priest, and then it's like and, and he's deaf. <laughs> <laughs> like what's he doing on his own? The riding the chops. The riding chops in this yeah. movie. Yeah, the oh, way that's so explained. funny, so so, so funny, and even like Mother Superior doesn't really give a shit that much. She's yeah, just no, like, one cares. no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> this this priest has got gone down in front of all these kids in this orphanage. No one gives a shit. <laughs> all the kids are cheering, like thank God. Oh, fucking hell. Uh, yeah, Mother Superior just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, the priest been going down. And then she survives. That's the worst part. That is the worst that, part. That's the one that leaves a really bad taste in the mouth mm. at the end of the film. Because you want... Because it's like, ah, Billy, like, at least kill her. Yeah, and he gets and so he close. he doesn't even. He gets close. And he just kind of bottles at the end. Because, 
you know, the horrifying things happen. It's disturb. It's a disturbing, disturbing film, disturbing content stuff. But the villain wins at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, like, there's no. There's no final, like, there is no final girl thread throughout the film. There's no character that you can root for. Or, yeah, like, yeah. a character that you can root for, which is the good nun. That's a good point, yeah. Is in no danger at all. Yeah, it's just Santa Claus going on a massacre. He's just going on a rampage, just, like, killing all these random people that you don't know. And then the one person that, like, you do want him to kill, because she's a cunt, doesn't die. And there's no... I don't know. There's just no nothing. There's no payoff. There's not. And there's, it's got a really weird pace in that way because, like, all of a sudden he goes on this rampage. It's not like in Halloween where like he's stalking people and then like he kills one person and then there's the next. Like this, you know, yeah. everyone dies in the span of about twenty minutes, thirty minutes in the film. Mm. Really, and he kills like six people. So you got like every like four minutes at a stage, uh, one stage, you have a kill. And it's just like this is a weird slasher movie. Like I still kind of enjoyed it. Like it was still. I, th- I thought it was. I thought it was good. It is good, but it is a weird slasher movie that way, because mm. like two thirds of the film is like this, like a, a psychological horror film, like the trauma of this child. Yeah, it's just really disjointed. Mm. Really disjointed, but uh, not as disjointed as the second one, is it? Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, Deadly Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 ends with Billy dying. And then he's like, don't worry, kids. Santa's gone. And he dies. And then uh, Billy's little brother, who I'm going to call Bobby, because I don't know what his name is. (laughs) Bobby uh, looks at Mother Superior and he just goes, naughty. And that's how the film ends. And then Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 picks up with Bobby in jail. Or in like, um, like kind of hospital of some sort because he's killed a couple of people and uh, a psychologist comes into him and is like alright Bobby sit down we're going to talk about your trauma tell me what happened like tell me about your brother let's start at the beginning tell me about your brother let's start with the first film let's start with the first <laughs> film and uh, quite literally and this sounds insane when I'm describing it but it is quite literally Bobby is explaining his brother's past and Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 plays scenes, not reconstructions, not reshoots, just straight up the same footage of Silent Night, Deadly Night played again. But now that you've described the fact that there's two different cuts, it's 100% like the censored cut because like when Bobby's mom is being killed, like you don't see her boobs, like it just cuts before you can oh, see that okay, and yeah. he slits, his, slits her throat. So, like, it's the censored footage of the film played again. And I was like, okay, so, like, the, the so the kid's story is done. Okay, right, we'll move on. And then it's like, so tell me about the orphanage. And then the orphanage scenes play again. And I'm sitting there and I hit pause. I'm like, oh, hold on. And I fast forward. This is 15 minutes into the film. And I fast forward 20 minutes in. And the the shopping, like, the the, mar- the mall scene, the, the store that, he, that Billy was working in, those scenes play again. It gets all the way up to that. I skip. I skip forward again to half an hour. Billy's now Santa dressed up killing people. I fast forward for to forty minutes into the film, and we watch uh, Billy die. So the first forty minutes of this film is just footage of the first film played again. It's just a clip show. Just a clip show. Just a best of. Just a quick recap that will take up half of this film. Half <laughs> of the film. <laughs> this film's an hour and a half. Forty minutes. 
basically half of the film is just the first film played again to you. Just a quick reminder. And then we get then the psychologist is like, okay, so tell me about tell me about Maria, whatever the fuck your one's name is. And it's like, oh, well, let me tell you about my me after what happened briefly after Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, I was adopted by this family, and uh, I just started murdering people again. <laughs> <laughs> basically, <laughs> so I got here. He's in a he's in a field, and he's watching um he's watching this couple together, and the again the the boyfriend and the woman are together and the boyfriend starts sexually harassing and assaulting the woman. So Billy's like naughty or Bobby's like naughty. And then he drives over him repeatedly with the car to kill him. And your one just goes to him like, thanks. And then just walks away. So in Bobby's head now, what we're seeing is that like, you know, murdering, the murdering of like rapists and sexual assaulters and stuff like that is a good thing, Mm. which, you know, kind of is it is he's not wrong he's not wrong <laughs> um so a, he's a good guy in this one he's a good guy um and then he goes off and murders a couple of, other <laughs> a couple of innocent but like people. every person that he kills up until a certain point is like someone that deserves it like he there's like a loan shark like kicking the shit out of some dude uh, at the back of like where bobby's working and then bobby just impales him with an umbrella and opens up the umbrella <laughs> um and just like you know kills him that way um he kills like these really he, he starts dating this girl and he has sex with her and uh he's like that was that was my first time and i thought it was hers too so you know that obviously she's a boyfriend or whatever uh or she had a boyfriend beforehand then they're at the cinema and there's these like really annoying characters like shouting at the back of the screen and bobby's like bobby's sitting there right and his girlfriend is just like oh this film's meant to be really good and he's like oh what's it about and she's like, oh, it's about a guy that dresses up as Santa and goes around killing people. <laughs> she never asked anything about his, his personal life ever. <laughs> and then, right, and it shows, like, it shows, like, what they're watching. And I don't know, I don't know if it's meant to be a meta thing. And I assu- I'm assuming it isn't because this film just reused footage from the first film. It shows footage of the film that they're watching and it's, it's the original Santa who killed, like, Billy and Bobby's parents. Like, the first person that he killed in the store. Yeah. When he went in, he's like, give me the money, and he, sh- he shoots some fella. It's that footage played again. So I don't... I'm pretty sure that it isn't meant to be this meta thing. They just used footage from the first film again. <laughs> Time is a flat circle, man. Oh. The man, that's the guy who killed my parents. Yeah, that's the guy who killed my parents. Like, <laughs> anyway, he goes off and he fucking annihilates the two fellas at the back of the of the cinema screen while she's sitting there just watching the movie and no one cares like there's people there's there's like a couple sitting in front of the two annoying fellas at the back of the screen and when bobby goes off to kill them they're not there they're not there while he's killing them it's like where the fuck did these two characters go <laughs> anyway um so when they're in the cinema screen uh fucking Maria's ex comes over to her and starts like talking to her like hey baby you miss me and all this type of shit um, and he's like oh you with the you with King Kong over there or whatever and uh, <laughs> then uh, they fuck off or whatever and then it, like directly afterwards uh, Bobby and Maria are like walking on the road and the ex-boy the dickhead ex-boyfriend is there and um, he starts like harassing her and then Bobby's like what the fuck you do man and like grabs him and then 
there are, for some reason he's just working on his car in the middle of the street for some reason I don't know why <laughs> but he like pins him down like <laughs> kills him using the car and Maria's horrified by this she's like what the fuck are you doing you killed him and then Bobby kills her as well <laughs> I can't remember how I think he just strangles her um, and then a police officer shows up and he's like freeze sir like put your hands in the air and walks up to him he's like this gun is loaded and Bobby just takes the gun off of him and shoots him straight away (laughs) (laughs) and then we get the most iconic iconic scene put to film Bobby's walking around this neighborhood with a gun I think he's shot two people at this stage now and he's walking up and uh, there's a guy taking taking out his out his bins or whatever and uh, he, like your man, looks at Bobby, and Bobby looks at him and just goes, "Garbage day!" and shoots him. And what? it's so like the the acting in this film. Oh my god! Garbage day. What does that have to do with Santa Claus? Nothing. This man. <laughs> this. I don't even know if this takes place over Christmas or not. <laughs> None of this has to. Wait, is he, is he wearing a Santa Claus? No, he's just wearing regular clothes. Silent night, deadly night. What? They betrayed the franchise with this one. Oh, like. they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, lore. Where's the lore? Uh, anyway, then he's picked up because he's murdered like six people at this stage. So, uh, and then like, wait, like the the framing of this is that like he's telling the psychologist this, and then it cuts back to the present moment, and the psychologist is now dead, and Bobby like has killed him, oh, okay. and escapes like the hospital that he's at. And the police show up, and there's some. I think it's meant. I think it's me, I think it's meant to be the original, like good nun from the first film. I don't think it's the same actor though. Um, and she's like, "Bobby's okay. There's only one place he could go. There's only one place he could be. He could be going after this." And the police officer's like, "Ah, he'll have to find her first. <laughs> so, Bobby's somehow. I can't remember how he's picked up a Santa costume. He's got his axe. And he rocks up to Mother Superior's house. Ah, at last. At long last. At long last. And uh, she's had a stroke and she's in a wheelchair and her face is like all like kind of... Lopsided? No, it's like melted. It's like... (laughs) I I think it's meant to be... A stroke, yeah. A stroke, but it just looks like she's a burn victim. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so uh, Bobby rocks up and he breaks down the door and Mother Superior, like, there's, like, a, a bit of a chase, whatever, and the Mother Superior, uh, con to her dying breath, goes to him, uh, you're weak, you're weak just like your brother was, you're, two of you are just weak, uh, insolent, whatever, like, to her dying breath, like, not seeing that she's the cause of all of this. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, like Bobby swings down and I was like oh my god does he actually kill her and then it cuts I was like oh for fuck's sake did he actually not kill her no, he, he he has decapitated her ah very good and uh, the police rock up with the good nun and uh, Mother Superior sitting there in her in her wheelchair and you're just, she's sitting there and it's like Mother Superior are you okay and then her head just rolls off <laughs> and then uh, Bobby just appears literally out of thin air like he there's a police officer beside the body and Bobby there's no curtains there's no walls there's no nothing around and Bobby just appears out of thin air and takes a slash at the police officer they shoot him down uh, they're like oh it's over it's finally over and Bobby's sitting there and then his eyes open end of the, end of the film that sounds that to be fair that sounds cool that sounds good oh man it's so bad <laughs> like it's so like the film but like 
Mother Superior getting decapitated. She's an evil bitch. But you don't She's see. She's evil. It. You don't see the decapitation. Yeah, I, I was kind of looking. I, you know, in my head, picturing, you know, straight to the forehead, between the eyes, axe. You know, no cut. You want it? You want it stuck and then wiggle and pull it out again? Yeah, yeah, and just like drive or something. Mm. <laughs> 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 it was Santa, and and even the way he he appears in nowhere, Santa Claus. That's mm. part of the lore. That's Suppose what Santa does. That is what Santa does. You know. I don't know. I think there's a. I think this should be rebooted. Well, they did reboot it, didn't they? I think, but like, a, uh, forget about the plot of like the actual films. Like mm. something like a Santa themed horror film, like a guy creeping into people's chimneys at night, and uh, you know breaking in, mm. and he has this weird relationship with like, you know, children and stuff. <laughs> Just let that moment pause. Sit there. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> not like that, but like. <laughs> you know he's got like uh, he's all fucked up or whatever. No, 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 I know what you mean. And yeah, then, it could uh, be cool, but like, like, a serial killer version of Santa. Yeah, because like, and he can reappear, and like, and like any logical in- inconsistency, you're like, he's Santa Claus. He's, mm. he's like, he's fucking invincible. He's, yeah, that's like that he's like Michael be, Mars. Th- that's well, like Christmas. I was gonna say like they can't really kill kids in films, but I was thinking it's chapter one and two had kids getting fucked up. Yeah. So you could definitely kill a few kids in in film. You don't yeah, you don't even know, need to focus on the kids. Like, take out the adults or go, you know, anything like that. Mm. Like it's a great premise, you know. Yeah. But Silent Night Deadly Night, I don't think it it's just a slasher film, isn't it? Yeah. It's just and it's not even a good slasher it's film. It's not even a good slasher <laughs> film. Um in the third film, the third Silent Night Deadly Night, uh Bill Mosley's in it. You remember the play Chop Top? Oh right. He's in it. And what? he's like one of the main he's like the sheriff or something. And um, <clears throat> uh, Rita, the actor that played Rita in Mulholland Drive, isn't it? Rita, yeah, Which the one? the black hair one. Ah, all right. Yeah, she's in the third one. She's in the third one as a young actress. I as suppose. a young actress, yeah. That's a very strange cast. Like, how does the third film have two of the, like two really famous actors in it? That's a Ford Texas Chainsaw Syndrome. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Very strange. An interesting series all the same. Yeah. Well, be, not really, but... Uh, the second film was so fucking bad. I kind of wish I'd seen that now. I mean... What's the last 50 minutes? Yeah, 50 minutes. It's literally... <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a short film at that stage. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to see the first 40 minutes. Absolute bullshit. I can't believe... I was pissed. I was so annoyed. I was like... I mean... Well, I was, imagine paying in to see that. Jesus, man. I demand my money back. <laughs> I, I, I would never, ever, like, rock up to the concession stand and be like, here, I want my money back. If if I saw a film that reused the footage of the first film, I like, to the extent that this film does, <laughs> I'd be asking for half of my money back anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've already yeah. seen half of this film. <laughs> Give me six quid I've back. I've already seen this film, yeah. That's gas. It's funny, though. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's, it'd be good if you, like, say you're watching on TV, then you get two films for the price of one. Yeah, true. So, you know, go for them. Go for them. Paint the hall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolute load of bollocks. But yeah. And now, introducing our recommended film of the week, David Cronenberg's 1996 controversial erotic psychological thriller, Crash. Not the racist one. <laughs> yeah, not the one about race. <laughs> Uh, Crash is about the strange lure of the auto collision, provoking as it does the human fascination with death and the tendency to eroticize danger. Most motorists will slow down to stare at the scene of a collision. They may feel their pulses quickening and become aware of the fragility of their own bodies. 
The characters of Crash carry this awareness a step further, cherishing and nurturing it. For them, a car collision is a sexual turn-on, and a jolting life force they come to crave. That's basically a thematic synopsis of, of, of Crash. Because the plot is, is quite obscure. Difficult to explain. Yes. <clears throat> um, quite an alienating film. Yeah, because it feels like an alien road mm-hmm. or something, you know? Based on the book by J.G. Ballard. Mad Bastard. Mad Bastard. Crazy guy. Um, known for his crazy ideas. It's the one, the, one of the few movies where you'll ever hear... One of the few book adaptations into a movie where the author of the original book uh, admits that the movie is far better than the book. Mm. And he, he's, he's, he's openly put that on record that the movie expands on and is superior to the book. The best praise a film can get. Yes, yeah, some say. So some say. Mm. What did you think of Crash? Um, oh! <laughs> I didn't, no, I didn't hate Crash. I just found it mad boring. Boring? I found it quite quite a boring film. It is very uh, clinical. Mm. I'll say that. Very clinical film. In a similar sense to like like 2001 and like eight and a half. Like I can appreciate it and see why people, you know, like it so much. But I just sitting there, I was like, oh, looking at my phone. I'm just like, oh, jeez, that's not a good sign. I'm watching a film and I'm looking at my phone. Looking at the phone, yeah, yeah. Especially a film that I'm like, I need to be focusing on because we're trying to like, you know, analyze and talk about the movie. You know, it's it's hard. <laughs> it is. It's a struggle when you're not into the film. Analyzing Crash. Analyzing Crash is hard. Analyzing, analyzing Crash. Analyzing, whole different story. Analyzing Crash is easy. <laughs> analyzing it, though. <laughs> um, nah, like, this is the horniest film I think I've ever seen. Very appropriate for episode 69. Exactly. That's why we recommend it. Jesus. Like, I had heard <laughs> that this is a horny movie. Mm. Did not know... How horny this movie is. It's the most sex scenes I've ever seen in the film. Oh, easy. The majority of this film is sex scenes. Yeah, fair. <laughs> 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 but it, the, the weird thing is it's all very, very... It's very clinical, as I was saying. Mm. I think the... Uh, I've never read the book, but um, I was reading... I don't know. I was watching an interview with uh, David Cronenberg, and he's talking about how when he was first approached to do the, the project, uh, he read the book, and he got uh, 20 pages in, he put it down, and he was like, oh, I'm not going to do that because it's just too perverted. Mm. But he didn't mean in the sense that it like offended his his like moral kind of like any kind of moral qualms that he had. It was more the sense the the way that the the book went about um, dealing with the like the formal the formal approach mm. in terms of like the way sex is described in the book is described the way like a doctor or an anthropologist would describe sex. Yeah, like all very technical terms and like very like uh, the way an alien maybe would would describe human sex. Mm. It's like completely impersonal and very 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 voyeuristic com- yeah com- yeah yeah voyeuristic and nothing you know human about it mm-hmm. which is kind of the point of the film because that's the uh the whole kind of premise obviously is about people who get off in car crashes mm-hmm. and you know it's not you know it's not just a bit it is just that but it's also you know you have to read into this because mm-hmm. clearly this is a film that demands to be read into because otherwise it's just fucked up and uh you know the the kind of the obvious reading is a uh, or something I would compare it to is, is definitely video drum one hundred percent definitely a video drum kind of film whereas in like video drum you have um, like the the human is kind of subordinated to this like to the screen mm-hmm. like uh, the human body is virtualized and uh, we're kind of like overcome by this new medium 
mm-hmm. the television the screen, television screen, the television screen, you know, the virtual realm. And this, it's kind of like the opposite. It's like the body mapping itself onto these new technologies. Yeah. Uh, like the automobile and uh, stuff like that. Uh, so it's very, it's similar in that kind of way. It's 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 because it's the same guy, Cronenberg. So he's dealing with similar themes about yeah. the melding of, uh, you know, the libido and technology. And like yeah. how they're kind of similar things. Or they have similar kind of like, I don't know, end goals or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, because it is, it's, it's also like video drama is a, a lot about um <clears throat> violence in media and like how we become like detached <laughs> from violence in media and stuff like that. Whereas this film is about the fetishize the fetishize the fetishization of violence and of um you know technology. Mm, yeah. And how, like we we can go by you know a car crash in real life and you know as you said in, in the synopsis you know just kind of like you know glared and stuff like that but you can do the same thing with technology like you can just watch violence through media as much as you want and be a, become detached by it but also some people can fetishize Fucking hell. Have a <laughs> fetish with it. It becomes their kink, more or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's de- that's that's a lot of what, you know, Crash is talking about. Um, I saw someone, I think I'm going to Roger Ebert talking about it. Or not Roger Ebert, nah, Kermode. Because Mark Kermode loves this film. Yeah, he's a big fan. He yeah. says it's like a perfect, one of the perfect films. And um, I think I think it was him, that when I was reading the Wikipedia page, said that... Um, one of the key things in the film is that all the people that are in the film all bear old scars. We don't see how they've gotten these scars. We know that it's from car crashes, but we don't actually see much actual like physical violence in the film. A lot of it is the aftermath of violence, which you know also detaches you from violence. Like There's a difference between seeing the aftermath of violence and seeing that violence being perpetrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it becomes easy to like kind of for kind of forget more or less like the the reality and the brutality of violence, um, and that's what these characters have have done, which is a very alienating thing because it is a very inhuman thing to think about. But I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that do have a kink over car crashes and like death. Absolutely, the fetishization the fetishization of death mm. is is a thing. Like yeah, there's entire. Uh forums online dedicated to stuff like this mm. and uh well not just car crashes like you know like people pe- videos of people being killed and stuff like mm-hmm. that people watch it every day and like review videos mm-hmm. and like comment on it and like it's their entire life but there's no reason why anyone would watch those things unless they're getting off on it mm-hmm. sexually so there are a lot of people out there like that you know and you have like cannibal forums and stuff like that yeah people get off on really really weird things Shout out to our boy, Army Hammer. <laughs> Army Hammer, yeah. Like, it's, you know, it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. It could be anybody, you know, blood stuff. I don't know. Very strange. But yeah, it's, um, it's like a porno, but it's um, it's not, you know. It's like, yeah. there's, but there's nothing sexy about it. It's like the most, it's the it's least. It's a porno with a lot of plot. Yeah. Also a lot of not plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's the least sexy porno you'll ever see. Because it's not even, because there's a lot of sex, but the, the sex is like completely alien. Completely, mm-hmm. like, um. There's a leg vagina. 
Yeah, yeah, there's like a tie, back tie, vagina kind of thing. Uh, I think it was Kermode as well had um, had the point about, or he was describing the way it's shot and the way it's kind of scored. Mm-hmm. Is uh, it's great f- score? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really kind of like, I don't know. It's like creepy mm-hmm. or a bit like I don't know, um, ominous or something like that. But it's it's a uh, it's basically directed in a way that reflects the kind of clinical medical approach that Ballard had in the novel and that like you it's you're never like you never feel like you're with the characters like this mm. it feels like you're like you're watching the film through like a windscreen like before yeah. like anticipating a crash yeah like it's just like the, all these not even horrible things just like these weird like kind of like stimulating uh like scandalizing things happening on the screen but you're not completely involved in the film it's a very like deliberate effect yeah of distancing of like a voyeurism because you can't get attached to any of the characters because A, they're mad fucked up, mm. but B, because you don't know anything about them. Like, we know absolutely nothing about these characters, and so there's nothing human to even latch onto. Yeah, they just kind of just kind of fall into place. Mm. Like, you have a, a weird kind of quintuple, I suppose, between the five main characters. Mm-hmm. Like they all have sex. At various points, with each other, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with like with with each other, like different it's, combos going on, yeah, every combo, I'm pretty sure. And it starts out like the 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 original kind of premise as 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 the film opens is it's a it's like a, an open marriage between James Spader and um, the blonde girl. Mm. I don't know her name is. I don't know her name, but basically they're in an open marriage and they're having like a kind of a. Yeah, the main character's name is Ballard as well. Ballard, yeah, yeah. There you go, the writer, yeah, the uh, yeah the auteur. And uh, they have, like, an open relationship, and they're kind of having, like, a friendly competition to see who can get, you know, who can get off with the most people. And uh, I think the, the the girl's complaining about how the person she was last with didn't get her off or something mm-hmm. like that. And James Spader says... Is that his name? James Spader? Yeah. Uh, or Ballard. Ballard says, <coughs> oh, maybe the next one, which is something that comes into the film right at mm-hmm. the end, which is uh, when they've kind of developed this... Uh, car crash fi- fixation and this sort of like uh, they've kind of melded their their libido with with uh, the automobile and uh, it kind of feeds into that whole thing where or like the but basically the, the end is where they're him and um, his wife are having sex by a car crash mm-hmm. that she was just in that she was just in and she's like oh I'm fine and J- James Spader just goes oh maybe the next one mm-hmm. you know? the idea is like, like a death drive yeah, uh, like not just in terms of like car crashes, but no. like ha- how that's related to like you know sex itself. It's yeah, like a, a death drive towards annihilation. Like it doesn't. You're just like endlessly going towards. Yeah, there's only one endpoint for this fetish. Like yeah, 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 yeah. They're just gonna die in some horrific way. Very, very strange movie. You know, kind of off-putting, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Um, yeah, no, because it is like um, sorry. The character uh, Vaughn, Vaughn, yeah, Vaughn, yeah. he's like the the end stage of this of this fetish, where like he does ultimately die because of it. But like his whole thing is about um, I took a quote where he said the reshaping of the human body by modern technology is like his like his like hook to get to find people that are like like minded like him. But his actual thing is to peak this fetish to like understand the psychology of this to understand like why he and there's so many people like him this little group of perverts 
are really into car crashes and into the blending of the mind with technology and stuff like that. It's, yeah. um, it is interesting and it is similar to themes that Cronenberg had in Videodrome. I just think Videodrome did it a bit more interestingly. Yeah, yeah. It. I think it did. This is kind of way more, uh, in a strange way, kind of way more on the nose. Yeah. Which is weird for a film that's quite abstract because like Videodrome is like, it's like, like one of my favorite films, but it is, it's like an open kind of book. Yeah. It's not, no, it's the reverse. It's a closed book. It's like it has all these things, but you can kind of see them in different ways. Mm-hmm. It's not a clear way to read it. Um, so like it, there's no real like arc or like, uh, yeah, it's just like teams all like bundled in together. Yeah. But with this one, it's like, um, I think Eber, Eber had an interview where he's talking, him and... You know, him and uh, that guy, Cisco used to have, like, a show yeah. where they reviewed movies. They had a big debate. It was, like, the most uh, passionate they got about a movie um, that I could find on YouTube, that I've seen on YouTube, anyway. Um, like, Cisco hated this film. He, yeah. he thought it was, he, he was scandalized by this film. He hated it. A lot of people did. Cause it, was, it, is, it was hugely hated. Because the majority of the film is just sex. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he thought it was, like... And it is perverted, like... He thought it should be banned. Mm. Whereas Ebert was, like... The opposite. He didn't. He didn't really enjoy. He did. He said he didn't enjoy the film, but he could admire it. Yeah. He could appreciate what it was doing, and that, that it did it very well. And um, he didn't directly compare it to Videodrome, but he talked about how the um, like the whole idea of car crashes and sex, like sort of amalgamating them, um, and described it as a mistaken algorithm, mm-hmm. where like a, it's like some some bizarre intelligence that kind of like. Like maybe it's not entirely human, but it's something that is uh, encompassing of humanity. Yeah. But also includes, you know, cars and like <laughs> r- like whatever random things. Just some complete accidents of uh, of intelligence, and uh, which is similar to video drama because video drama is all those things about like algorithms and like just things kind of melding together into these weird kind of like kind of almost William Burroughs style montage of of uh, of desire. Yeah. Of just like blind desire just like running into it just crashing into each other just these bizarre completely alien products these yeah. results you know yeah i think it's something like the characters don't interact with each other they crash into each other yeah yeah, something yeah. like that um i can't remember who said that but there's it, it something like that because it is like like it's a very it's a strangely predictable film like you can kind of see where the film is going at all times like you know that Vaughn is going to, you know, he's going to have sex with David Spader's wife. And you kind of know that David Spader's character is going to have sex with Vaughn as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, which didn't get the, that that didn't get the, the, uh, the graphicness as all the other sex scenes. So, so shame on yeah, you, where's Cronen- our dick? Shame on where's you, Cronenberg. So many dicks, so many asses. No dick. Shame on you. And <laughs> um, we got a leg vagina, no dicks. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, like the characters don't really interact with straight. All the characters are like sexual objects or like objects that are gonna, you know, they're like cars meet a violent end. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just colliding. Yeah. You know, random. Like, there's no subjectivity in the film at all. Yeah. There's no sense that they're like uh, they have any real control. It's just, it's just like like even the way um, there's a scene when. Uh, Ballard and his wife first get involved in the kind of the cult that Vaughn is running mm. and uh, Vaughn is doing this illegal reenactment of James Dean's uh, death in a car accident yeah like the famous 
car accident where James Dean ended up breaking his neck and dying. And uh, like it's 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 reenacted in it like live, you know, it's like reenacted properly, and like the mm-hmm. like the the driver is injured and all this stuff. Um, so they're just they're just replaying like there's no real control. They're just replaying these these uh, I don't know these like uh, pleasure loops or whatever like constantly. There's no there's no real uh, personal subjectivity in any character. There's no point in the film where you feel like oh, James Spader is going to like stand up and be like. This, this is, is wrong. Cr- this is crazy. No, what are we doing? He's, you know, he's into it. Like, like, yeah, he's 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 there with all of them. There's no real uh, boundary between any different character because they're all subject to the same kind of like bizarre impulse mm-hmm. to uh, follow whatever this weird death drive is. Yeah, you know, it's kind of creepy. It is kind of creepy. It's that uh, what's that guy? The like pain and pleasure thing. Who's the guy that wrote about that? Foucault. Not Foucault. Who the fuck was this? Bataille. Yeah, it was a bataille. Is that the? Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. It's, it's like d- the death sex thing. That drive. It's a similar, the same drive, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah, Something yeah. Like that. A few people talk about that, yeah. I can't remember, I can't remember exactly what it's it is. It's all the same, you know? You know, creating life, ending life. Mm. What's the difference? What's the same thing, bro. It's a cycle. <laughs> life is a f- life is a flat circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, like, George Bataille had the thing about, like, breaking down taboos and um like how like saying like a war scenario like it's not that it's not the the we don't all become crazy when a war happens it's just the fact that social rules break down yeah. to a point where you're allowed to do things like you're socially allowed to do things that wouldn't otherwise be permissible yeah yeah even in the way uh or i was reading i was watching an interview with vigo mortensen where he was on stage with david cronenberg he's talking about um how Crash, Mor- Mor- Mortensen was talking about how Crash kind of um, like elaborates on sex mm. in terms of how sex can be anything. Yes. Like se- like within normal times, like normal society, there's like, there are rules, obviously, and there are conventions which everyone plays along with, with how, you know, the rules of play, the, the, the rules of the field. Yeah. But when those things kind of break down or when, when you're in a scenario where those things where those rules don't apply or with people who don't observe those rules, suddenly anything goes and anything can become uh, sexual or yeah. anything can be eroticized, uh, even even a car or a, a car crash or mm. something like that, you know? That's the modern era. Yeah, I suppose. You know, yeah. We're all so disillusioned, all lost in, in the mid-90s. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah, we're place, all lost in 96. You know? Um, it is like and that's the thing. Like I can admire the film like that. I just didn't enjoy it, and I just found it kind of boring. Fair, because it is like it is <laughs> one of those films where it is like highly clinical. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. very cold. technical, very very cold alien film. Um, that like you know, it's one of those films that you can I can you can admire it, or you can be like you can like you know really appreciate it for what it's doing. Or you can be like me and just be like, yeah, I I admire what it's doing. I get it. Or you can just be completely turned off with the film. Yeah, as some people were. As a lot of people were, you know. Yeah. This film lost out on the on the grand prize at the grand prize at the at the, the palm at the can yeah at cans at the palm door because the head ju- the head ju- the head why am I not able to talk the head judge 
Coppola was like Francis I, Ford Coppola was like this film is dog shit I'm not giving this yeah, film an award yeah, yeah. he refused yeah like they had to give it a special award because of that yeah the jury were like this is the best film and Coppola was like no it's not no it's not <laughs> and I'm the head judge so fuck you yeah yeah so they had to give it a special jury prize uh, which was still presented by uh, by Coppola but he refused to give it to Cronenberg mm. like he just he just said he was uh, disgusted by this film yeah yeah he, he, in his announcement for like uh, for giving it to giving the special jury prize to, to Crash he, he said uh the award was for originality, daring, and um, audacity. Mm. You know, like just basically like fair balls. Yeah, you know? like fair, fair play, fair fucks to you, bro. Fair fucks, but like not my cup of tea. Yeah. That's basically what he meant. You know, as it was a uh, hated, hated in Britain as well. Britain was a really did not like this film. There's like a there was a huge campaign by I think the Express and the Mail, like the newspapers, to get the film like banned, like completely banned, like not yeah. not even um, like X rated or anything. Like they wanted it completely off the screens, which you you would have thought would be like would have been out of fashion by then. 96. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they were very, very not happy with how this film kind of reflected on the morals of the time. Mad. I think it could have been scarier. I think it could have been. I think there could have been more body horror. I think. Yeah, I think there was like it feels very much like, like it's 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 listed as it's billed as an erotic psychological thr- thriller, and I feel like it is like too much to an extent that's like. It could have been more. Yeah. You know? I don't know, because uh, for what it does, it's great. But for me to light the film, I need it to be something slightly different. I feel like it could have been way more horrifying. Mm. You know? Yeah. David Cronenberg, get the finger out. <laughs> get <laughs> the fucking Come finger on, out. Come on, bro. Like, you've done it before. Yeah. Why can't you just do it with this film? Yeah, exactly. Like, But again, like that kind of defeats the purpose of the film, so... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, if it was too gaudy, maybe, yeah. I think the point of the film is, like, this is perfect for what Cronenberg wanted to make but is it is it perfect like is it could have been could have been something different more accessible in that sort of vein and therefore like get get your point across better I found a re- like like I had to think about this film like all day basically to finally like come to terms with what the fucking film was actually talking about because when I was watching I was like I just don't know what the fuck this film is going for like <laughs> and like that is like you know, oh, you think about a film and it gets better, but you have to be enjoying the film in the first place. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is. It is really like uh, obscure to a point, mm. like to an annoying point. Um, it's almost maybe too simple. Like, like they could have elaborated on stuff, maybe. Yeah, I felt like if there was less fucking and more talking, it would have been better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe there's more context and because, like, I found one day they skipped to um. Or like at the start, there's a car crash with uh, with Ballard, and he's in the hospital. And then he meets Vaughn, and Vaughn's this weird doctor, and he's like obsessed with Ballard's like leg braces mm-hmm. and stuff as injuries. Um, and then very quickly you get to this point where um, Ballard's attending these weird uh, James Dean death reenactments with yeah. Vaughn, kind of like running running the show. But like, there isn't a lot of context in between. Like, it's very, it's done very, very quickly. I feel, I yeah. feel like that was a bit rushed. Because he's in the car with the with the one that was in the other car that he crashed into. And then, uh, yeah, that that seemed kind of straightforward. Yeah, and then he picks her up, and then they nearly have a car crash, and then they have sex, and then it feels like I'm pretty sure like the next scene after that, they're just at the show, and it's like oh, I kind of need a bit more. Yeah. I need a scene where they're talking about this or something. Yeah, but like, oh, should we go to this weird mm. sex car thing? Well, she's already into the car thing, but like, 
because she was she was like she'd been doing it before she'd been doing it before but like yeah. I don't know I just needed something more yeah maybe maybe play up to the cult you know mm. you know that would be cool yeah make it yeah make it more of a cult make it more of a death cult type of thing yeah 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 that would be cool yeah I know, still a good film though but yeah, like yeah. it's good yeah it's good it's yeah. alright it's alright <laughs> it's grand it's grand and we move on to listener questions. To listener questions. If you want to ask us a question, you can hit us up by email, thepowerpod at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at paro underscore pod. Make sure to follow us on those platforms as we will be sharing posts, asking people to ask us questions and sharing more info there. One and only question for this episode is coming in from Carl. And Carl's asking us, how do you guys define what an art film is and what a cult film is? An art film is a film that the the uh, unwashed masses do not understand. Yeah, only the elite, the pretentious elite like ourselves <laughs> can enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Art film, what would you say an art film is? Slow. 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 Experimental obs- in, some, in some form. Yeah, purposely obscure. Mm-hmm. Intentionally confusing. Yep. Um, All about more about emo more about emote emotive responses rather than narrative. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Less um, not very straightforward. You know, kind of roundabout, kind of kind of vibe. Yeah, like a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess like what's what's your favorite like? Because like. David Lynch would be like Ra- Razorhead. 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 That's a great art film. Yeah, but it's also um, kind of obscure. Yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of out there. Like, wouldn't like Spielberg hardly makes art films, like art quote art house kind of films. Mm. Um, yeah, an art house film. Yeah. Like Drive would be like the remember when Drive first came out, people were talking about it's the perfect blend. Of art house and like mainstream films. Yeah, yeah. Drive is good. Drive is Drive good. Drive is really good. Yeah, I like Drive. We've Drive. never talked about Drive. We've never talked about Drive. That's mad. Yeah, it's a mad bro film, though, isn't it? It is a mad it's film, kinda, bro. It's like, it's like that. That territory's already been kind of yeah, it's been taken covered. up by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're kinda, trying to find another. That's a way. crowded market right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, like that's that's definitely what I classify an art film for. What would you classify a cult film as? A cult film is a film that is not very good, but people appreciate. Mm. I think that's or what I hate it at first and then loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, gener- like say something like Peep and Tom. You wouldn't say that's a cult film, would you? But it was no, hated at the time. It needs like a small. Yeah, a small cluster of people that are really passionate about the film. It also needs huge gaping flaws. Yes. You know, it has to be like, like it needs to be, for me anyway, what I would imagine is like a film where you could easily sit there and be like, this isn't, this is a bit shit, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But also you can see why it's not shit as well. Would you I think, say Crash is a cult film? Um, No, I wouldn't say I think I'd say too, it's an art house film. Yeah, that is an art house film. It's an art house film, yeah. Yeah. I'd say Silent Night, Deadly Night. I, I saw that list as a cult film. That's a cult film. I'd say that's a cult film because yeah. it's clearly shy in many ways, but it's also like has a, a it has points going for it as a clear appeal. Yeah, you know where you'd be like, like maybe you'd recommend it. I can see someone recommending recommending that for some reason. You yeah, know? I can see why people would like it. Yeah, I can't see someone ever recommending Crash. You know, well, mm. like we just did, but like yeah, <laughs> to their mates, you know. Yeah, like we we watched it. Like, we recommended it unknowing, not knowing anything about it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, apologies. No, no, I mean, I mean like, oh, man, you should watch Crash, you know, but like, 
you'd be like, uh, I could see someone being like, ah, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, it's a decent watch there for Christmas. Bit of horror vibes, you know? Yeah. I could see that. I could see that too. Yeah. Something like that. Makes sense. I feel like this is a very easy distinction between the two. Mm. Recommend the film for episode 71. Woo! It's going to be an art house film and also a cult film. What? It is. He's, he surely hasn't synthesized the two in the last 30 seconds. Oh, man. Because <laughs> I was thinking about this film like earlier today. I was like, I need to find a link for it first because it is a lost film that is very hard to find. All right. However, I found a very good link for it. So I will send that on to you. It is Andre Zulowski's On the Silver Globe. This is the guy that directed Possession. Ah, yeah. yeah. I was looking for this that. is his quote unquote masterpiece besides possession it is a film that he was working on for years and the film uh, was being shot in poland and the polish communist party were like cut this shit out no more and he didn't get to finish the film and then years later he went back and got all the footage and added in like voiceovers to fill in all the gaps that he didn't get to the bits that he didn't get to finish and then released it it is well, it's a like a it's a lost film that not all of it is there. It was meant to be longer than what we eventually got in the end, but it's still like two and a half hours. So two and a half hours. There's still a lot of film. A lot of film. A lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. There I can't go. wait. I'm interested because I I I watch Possession as well. Mm, yes, we can talk get, about get Possession. That, get that knocked in the head. I've been meaning to watch that now for a while. Nice Christmas movie. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> wait, when's our, what's the next one? Next Thursday. Yeah. yeah that's, Loads of time. We got two weeks. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh fuck yeah. Not two weeks. Bro. I should I'll put that off. I'll put that yeah. off to January. Yeah. After, <laughs> after the new year. Yeah, yeah. Start the new year off right with possession <laughs> and on the silver globe. Exactly. Only up from there. Oh, it can only go from there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Good night. God bless. Hope everyone had a great Christmas. God bless. Merry Christmas. Oh, oh, oh! And we'll see you in the new year. Because the one after this is coming out in the new year, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. We'll see you all in the new year. See ya. Bye bye.